Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk with people who are living lives of purpose and doing amazing things that make a positive impact in our world. We take time to listen to them as they reflect on their life journeys and what has shaped them into who they are today and what motivates them to be involved in what they do. Well, kia ora, everyone. Welcome along to the show. This is Stephen Moe, and in this episode, we're going to be learning about co-design and collaboration for good. So this is the audio of a session that I helped facilitate on Friday with Dr. Joe Cribb launching a report on sprinting for good, using co-design as a tool for collaboration. And we also hear from Matua Kevin Haunui, which was really valuable because he brought a Te'ao Maori perspective. I'm not going to do more of an intro, apart from saying that about 300 people signed up to attend this session, so there was real interest, and that's why I decided to put it out as audio on seeds, so that all of you could benefit from it as well. And if you enjoy it, then why not share it with somebody else who might appreciate some of the concepts and ideas that Joe shares? And don't forget that this is episode 215, so there's heaps and heaps of content in the back catalog. Normally, I'm interviewing people who are doing inspiring things in the world. And a big thank you to Mele Wint, Monica Briggs, and the whole steering group, and just everybody who's been involved in the wider project. It's really awesome to see some deliverables like this resulting, which will then benefit others who maybe didn't even know that the original project was going on. Now let's dive into this session about sprinting for good, using co-design to collaborate for social impact. Uh, kia ora tātou. Uh, no reina nau mai haramai ki tēnei uh, momo tūranga hui. Uh, it's my pleasure to open our um, hui um, this afternoon. No reira tēnei te ara keirunga, tēnei te ara erangi, te ara o tēnei tupua, te ara o tēnei ariki, te ara o rangirau ko papa, rarau te pane o tāne, rarau te tangata ki raro ki au tēna, tēna, well, thank you everyone for joining. Um, it's wonderful to have you here and I know more people are going to be joining us as we continue and start this conversation. Um, I'm going to be uh, helping to facilitate our time together today. Um, my name is Stephen Mo, and I'm a lawyer working in the community sector and I'm also the host of a podcast called Seeds. So I just have a few comments to share with you before I hand over to Joe. And the purpose of this is just to frame our discussion. Why are we here today? Um, there's been really high interest in this talk. I know several of you will be listening afterwards because last minute things have come up, but we've had a few hundred people sign up for this, um, which is a really wonderful indication, I think, that there's an openness to looking at co-design and how we do things going forward. And uh, why is that? I think we all agree that through COVID, we've had the chance to revisit our past ways of thinking, the past ways of doing things. I know um, the aim of um, today, I think, is to continue those discussions and to look at what cross-sector um, discussions and support and challenges might actually lead to. So that's why it's exciting to be here today, to be able to listen to Dr. Joe Cribb and Matua Kevin, who are going to be sharing with us. Um, the National Strategy for Community Governance has been an amazing initiative, and I'm sure Joe will say a few words about that as well. Um, but there was more than 150 people involved in sprints co-designing. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to be part of one of those and really enjoyed the experience. So I'm really looking forward to hearing the reflections from you, Joe, as we go on. Um, I just want to say as well, there's going to be a follow-up email which has links to a bunch of other material that's come out of that initiative. So make sure that you check it out. This might be the first time that you've engaged with what's going on here, um, but there's a lot of content there. Um, so within the presentation, Joe is also going to be talking with Matua Kevin from a Te Ao Maori perspective. And I think that's going to be an interesting part of this conversation um, and, and what it means as well. Um, we do have the Q&A function. Um, I'm sure we're all familiar with Zoom. So at the bottom, there's a Q&A function. And we'd encourage you to start as you're thinking of questions, just type them in. Um, there's the capacity to upvote questions. So you can choose others, see what other people have done. And then as we get through the presentation, we'll be coming to those questions and asking um, and going through them as many as we can. So do go ahead and type once Joe starts talking. Um, I know some of you will need to move on to other meetings halfway through, or maybe um, you will know other people who would benefit from the content today. So we are recording this. 
Um, it will be available in a link that gets sent out in an email later. Um, it will go up as both a video and also as audio in the Seeds podcast. Um, I just want to finish by, before we get into Joe, just to say thank you to the Auckland Council, Foundation North, Grant Thornton, Rata Foundation, and the Department of Internal Affairs Ministerial Discretionary Fund, who've been big supporters of this and have helped make the whole project happen. So Joe, we're going to hand over to you. You've got some slides here. I'm sure we're all curious to find out what are some of the things that you've learned about co-designing and collaborating for social impact. So over to you. Everyone type your questions into the Q&A and then we'll come back and have some good discussions. Thank you, Joe. I just first like to acknowledge uh, Matua Kevin uh, for his opening words and also his amazing contribution to this mahi. He, I think he did three sprints um, and so he is um, an expert in sprints um, in terms of sprinting. Um, I'd also like to acknowledge you, Stephen, for hosting us today and the incredibly proactive leadership you're showing in the community space, so thank you. And also, of course, I'd like to acknowledge all of those that are joining us here today. Uh, some of you would have been involved in the sprints, but all of you I know are interested in collaboration. And thank you for the contribution uh, you make to your communities um, as well. As many of you will know, last month we launched the National Action Plan for Community Governance. And when we did so, we found obviously there was an, a, a real interest in the actions that we are looking to deliver as part of the plan, but also how we created them. This is uh, probably one of the largest collaborations in the community sector, more than 150 people with over a thousand hours of collaboration uh, created uh, the national strategy. So in this session, we're gonna look at uh, why, what we needed from a collaborative process, why uh, co-design fitted the bill, what we learnt, what we loved and what we would do uh, differently. And I'm very thankful that Kevin is going to join me in a, uh, in a corridor when we think about how we used uh, a sprint and tail Māori, uh, what we did differently and how it worked uh, in that space. And I'm looking forward to your Q&A at the end of the session uh, and uh, as we explore and discuss these uh, issues more. Um, so as background, a group of individuals and organisations uh, came together with a shared aim that all community organisations in Aotearoa are well governed. And we started working together and it became quickly apparent that there needed to be some sort of consistent and coherent strategy so that you were able to access help and that wasn't both based on your postcode or what, or what subsector you happen, happen to be engaged with. And we knew, we knew that for any work, for it to be impactful, the strategy had to be developed. It had to be developed by those who it was, it was there to serve. Now that's the nearly half a million of us who volunteer on boards and committees of community organizations. And most of us volunteer in small to medium-sized organizations. So we needed a way of collaborating and I started to research different uh, methodologies. And this was the criteria that we were looking for in terms of a methodology. Obviously, we needed uh, one that would be incredibly inclusive and embrace the diversity that is the, such a strength of the community sector. We didn't know how many volunteers we were going to um, have in the process, so it needed to be able to be flexible, to scale up and down, to include anyone who wanted to be involved. Time and cost was incredibly important, but that's not only in terms of, I guess, physical time and cost, we were asking people to volunteer, so we needed to be very, very respectful of people's time. We wanted it to be action-oriented. We just couldn't bear a whole lot of committees working over a long period of time. We just knew that wasn't going to be uh, uh, effective. And of course, the issue of community governance and uh, supporting those who serve on boards is a complex challenge, uh, given the diversity, the nature of um, governance, and a whole lot of other dimensions. So that's what we were looking for in a process. So after lots of uh, research and conversation, uh, I we landed on, on co-design sprints as the methodology that would best fit um, our bill. We needed to adapt the process to the project and um, created a process, and this is what we needed. These were our, this, these were our principles of uh, co-design. All who wanted to be involved were included. And again, as I said, we didn't know 
uh, who um, who would put their hands up, where they would be, what sort of skills they would have. So we needed um, a process that could be incredibly inclusive and open uh, for anyone who wanted uh, to be involved. We were absolutely certain that co-design means those who the, who the strategy was for were at least half of those that were designing the strategy. And we were very strict on that. It has, to, it has to reflect end users. It has to reflect the needs and the reality of what it's like to sit on a community board um, or a, a, you know, a committee in our communities. We, of course, um, need to encourage uh, diversity. And so that meant we needed a space where all voices could be heard uh, and that we actually could uh, create a space where there could even be conflict and tension and great discussions. We wanted uh, it to be uh, the participants to uh, get a sense of well-being, a sense of contribution for being part of this process. And so it respected their experience. So it was inclusive and a valuable process for participants. As I said, we wanted to respect very precious volunteers' time. And we wanted the end actions to be as rigorous, as tested and as validated because we probably get one shot to do this and we really wanted to. In terms of our approach, we ended up with two options how people could have been engaged. Uh, for that meant some people were engaged in the sprint teams for two days, two solid days. And for others, they were involved in our each day. So we were trying to provide as many opportunities for as many people to be involved, uh, realizing that many people couldn't give up uh, two days of their time. So this is where we um, ended up. Now, I was thinking about the best way uh, to share about when we talk about co-design and we talk about sprints and they're all sort of, I don't know, they're words that are used a lot. So to make it as tangible as possible, I've actually shared what we did over the two days. So you can get a real sense uh, um, of what you would have experienced if you were part of a team. So obviously we spent quite a lot of time before the sprint getting to know uh, each other and setting up what is called the challenge statement. That basically means that we're all starting on the same page with the question we're trying to answer. Um, in the first session, we spent a lot of time on our whanaungatanga. The more we understood the diversity and the expertise that was um, on the, on the, in the sprint, the more we would be able to work fast and build trust. But one of the critical pieces of our sprint process was building personas. Now, these are basically caricatures or um, uh, uh, pictures. We actually did do pictures. We found images um, of the people who will benefit from our work. Now, many people have different needs. If you're a new uh, board member, if you're an experienced board member, and so we tried to create uh, personas about the experience that represent the experience of those who this uh, strategy would be for. And we used them throughout the process to make sure that we were focused on uh, the end user, not designing something for ourselves, but designing the, uh, something that would be of use uh, to those who were going to use it. And then we worked through, if with our personas, what would awesome look like if they were absolutely a part of a board that was absolutely fantastic? What would excellence look like? And we basically then created the steps uh, to get from the current state to what their ideal was. Once we had that done, we brainstormed through some structured brainstorming, some actions to get us from here uh, to where we want to be. And in the last uh, session of day one, our challenge team uh, joined us. Our challenge team was 10 to 15 volunteers who had volunteered for the hour. And their job actually was to challenge us, to ask questions about how would this work and have you thought this? And um, I'm sure as Kevin will share later, it's an incredibly valuable uh, part of the process. So our sprint team was probably uh, 10 to 15 people. And we had another 10 to 15 people join us as part of that sprint process. So after day one, I think we all needed a cup of tea and a bit of a lie down. It's quite an intense process. But by the end of day one, we have two or three actions that we know are most likely to make an impact. And then we regroup on day two. Again, we spend some time developing the actions uh, that we have got and testing them and prototyping them. And then in session two, the challenge team joins us again. And the really important thing there is that we've got well-defined, more well-defined actions. We've slept on them, we've thought about them. So we test them again. Again, they're going through that rigor. And the ideas that make it through, and for most sprints that was either one, two or three ideas that made it through this process, we then moved into implementation. Because an idea, we were completely focused on action. If we really want to get these ideas up, we need to spend that time working out how we're going to do it. 
and then we had the process of ending uh, and debriefing. And after the sprint, we've been very lucky that many of those who helped design the idea have stayed with the idea and help us develop it further so that we can take it through the funding process. Um, and of course, many of them joined us again for the launch to celebrate uh, what we'd achieved. So we've flicked through too many. Now this um, all looks um, fantastic on paper and in January, I tell you, it looked uh, pretty simple. We had seven sprints planned, uh, locked in uh, between March and June. Uh, we got the first sprint done and then we got caught right in the middle of uh, going into level four. So we pivoted within a week and uh, redesigned uh, the process so that we could deliver it online and we delivered uh, six of the sprints online. So imagine that, um, that you've got two days on Zoom workshopping and I know that sounds like, for many, it sounds like absolute hell, but um, hopefully um, our feedback suggests that it wasn't and I'll get Kevin uh, to, to share his experiences as well. What we found um, as a positive consequence of going online was that actually a whole lot of people who couldn't have given their time or couldn't have joined the sprints because they were being held in an area, they didn't want to travel, couldn't travel, we didn't have a huge travel budget, suddenly the sprints became incredibly accessible. We had somebody join us from a high country farm in Outram. We had uh, a whole country uh, joining and engaging. So I think COVID gave us a positive benefit of that it reduced any barriers to being part of this process. It reduced the cost and in some ways, the, um, the strategy is stronger because that, because we have more and more diverse engagement. But what we learned was we did uh, need to adapt and we did adapt as we go. Our poor first sprint team um, that was the guinea pigs for our online. But what, what we would share about uh, taking a process online is this, is that we did do a trial run before we uh, went live on the sprint process and it was incredibly important to iron out uh, the technical pieces and to get feedback from our, those who were our, our dummies about how they were experiencing the process that there was, so that we had a bit of confidence when we went live that it was going to, going to work. We uh, spent far more time engaging with participants over the phone by Zoom before than we ever uh, planned to do. That's so that uh, people were coming with an expectation. There was a bit of a dread about uh, being stuck on a Zoom call for two days and rightly so. So there was a lot of conversation that happened before um, and that was something we hadn't planned to do, but because we were taking them online, we really did. And I can't uh, emphasize how important that is about building those uh, relationships um, and, and ensuring people are coming um, with a positive um, attitude and understanding uh, what's expected of them over those two days. We learned to be um, incredibly flexible, but what I learned um, as a facilitator was um, when you are in front of people, you've got lots of opportunities to use nonverbal and your physical cues. Now, of course, you lose all of this um, through a Zoom. So what I learned very quickly is that um, instructions um, and anything that is giving direction has to be incredibly clear. Um, and in some ways, the facilitation has to step up in terms of its clarity, um, its support, anticipating uh, those, um, those who are on the call's needs so that we really are delivering. And of course, we added uh, Fanongatanga ex exercises at the beginning because we knew we wouldn't have the ability to have a cup of tea together in some of those conversations. So we built more of that into the process. So they would be our key lessons about how we had to adapt the process to move it um, online. Throughout all the sprints, we had an amazing diversity of uh, people uh, joining us. We had fantastic conversation. And this included um, uh, people like Kevin with experience on marae committees and organizations governing Māori resources. But what we found through the sprints was that the specific and unique is issues for Māori governors and Māori governance, the kaitiaki, um, weren't uh, needed actually special attention. We needed to give uh, them the prominence uh, that they absolutely rightly deserved. So working with steering group members um, from Tatumu Pairoa, the Māori trustee, and Tapuni Kokori, we created a sprint around issues for kaitiaki, and Kevin was um, a very important part of this. Um, we got feedback that it worked well. Uh, we, uh, again, we adapted it. We had an, ex an amazing facilitator with deep knowledge of tikanga who led the process. 
and the process was modified. It, we used far more te reo Māori. Instead of using a code of conduct, we used values. The personas were used differently in terms that we were often talking about a marae committee rather than an individual uh, person. Um, and, the, and from the feedback, uh, people um, enjoyed and engaged with the process and we got some amazing actions as a result. But Kevin, I really welcome your reflections as somebody who was key to this process. Uh, kia ora Joe. Um, kia ora tātou. Uh, I Kevin Henry tōku ingoa. Um, Heuria hau e tāho tōku pāpā no whānau apanui nā te kahunanu tūhoi, te whakatōhia. Hei te tāho tōku māma. Heuria hau no uh, āti hau Ngāti Rangi, Ngāti Uanuku, Ngāti Tamakana, Ngāti Tūwharetua. Nō no reira tēnā koutou. Joe, the my experience and reflections really on uh, the sprint in Te Ao Māori um, highlighted to me that um, it was a really unique uh, opportunity um, for Te Ao Māori to, to look at another way of getting together as a collective. Um, it really provided the opportunity, as you've already mentioned, for a diverse um, range of uh, our community to come together. Uh, and I think there were also some special um, considerations that clearly the um, organisers from um, the designers of the Māori Sprint took, took into account, you know, that uh, from a Māori perspective, we're, we can adapt quite quickly. Um, but we also overlay the, this opportunity with um, those things that uh, are unique to our to tell Māori. So I thought on reflection that I, I agree, there's always a long-term focus from a Māori perspective in terms of the issues that are faced uh, around governance, but there's also the cultural obligations and the history that comes with everyone that attends uh, as a collective. And I think um, possibly the third thing is that we do think in a very holistic way. So um, even though the collective is very important, um, so too is in the individual, but actually the individual is a collective, so I think the two uh, come together quite nicely there. So the things that, um, you know, we uh, I noticed from the, the sprint was that the um, whanaungatanga was, was important, was still there, uh, but of course um, we had to uh, be always aware of our programme and, and what we wanted to to achieve. Um, but yeah, those were some of the, the things that I thought were the key benefits, bringing people together really quickly. I thought that the opportunity to have the younger and the older uh, involved, the urban and the rural involved in the Māori involved in the, in the conversation really um, provided an opportunity for those voices to be amplified. So um, whilst that doesn't take away the impact of kanohi ki te kanohi or face-to-face -face hui, where the relationships are probably sharpened more through those um, forum, um, this did, I think, provide an opportunity for some voices to be to be amplified during the during the forum. Forum, and that was really, um, I think, uh, a benefit for me because um, I was able to hear um, the the transmission of knowledge going backwards and forwards in terms of the people that were on the hui, um, the histories that were attached, you know, we couldn't, it, it, it just doesn't happen without those things uh, being made aware of as well. So perhaps that's a bit of a start, Joe, to, to our mm -hmm. conversation. Oh, kia ora, Kevin. And the actions that have emerged uh, from the sprint are coming uh, coming to life, aren't they? They're very exciting. Would you like to share something about those? Sure. So uh, on the one hand, there's a, a toolkit that will focus on um, uh, ways to to improve Māori governance, um, but in an exciting way, you know, the use of um, social media, the use of um, links to, to where that information can be gained. That type of sort of practical um, toolkit that provides guidance and access, guidance and access to, to information. And the, the second one, which I'm excited about, 
really is to highlight the value of Māori governance, to mm. have trust and confidence in, in the way that we understand um, uh, governance from a Māori perspective uh, and how it assists not only Māori, but I think um, all New Zealand society as an end goal. So those were the two outcomes. Mm. Oh, kia ora. And Kevin, and Kevin um, is being very generous in helping us guide these actions uh, to come into reality. So thank you, uh, Matua, Kevin. When we um, step back on the whole project and reflect, I guess, what we learnt, um, and sometimes we learnt the hard way, um, the first one here is the project in infrastructure is critical. Now, by that, I mean we have an amazing uh, steering group who uh, provide the stewardship, um, accountability um, and vision. And I'd just like to acknowledge um, we have steering group uh, members joining us uh, this morning and how critical that is. We also had a powerful backbone organisation in the Centre for Social Impact. Now, if you just think about the sheer logistics of 150 people um, a thousand hours of collaboration, that infrastructure in terms of guiding, in terms of just the sheer, I guess, administration is incredibly critical. And I think sometimes we undersell the time and energy that just goes into straight logistics about putting something that like this together. So that is a key lesson for us, never, ever, ever underestimate or undercook the logistics that'll sit in behind if we want to collaborate and collaborate on the kind of scale we're talking about here. Um, the second one here is, um, I mean, I get, I'm sure this is uh, true for every project, but preparation was actually key. The bulk of the work of the um, strategy was done well before we started sprinting in that we put an awful lot of time in, in, in ensuring networks knew that this was opportunity was coming up so that we could get our volunteers and those that were engaged, that we could connect with organisations and people that are interested so that we were building on what was happening already. Um, right, and that, I mean, that's the whole uh, point of this building on energy and amplifying what's already happening. So a huge amount of work in the preparation and connecting, as I said, in the log logistics and the admin, you can imagine the spreadsheets that sat behind those, um, this project, um, the amount of Excel power that was needed to get everybody in the right place on the right link at the right time and comfortable with what their role is and respecting everybody's individual needs um, and comfort, I guess, on being online. Um, and also, I guess, the um, research and evidence that actually uh, uh, framed the sprints. We asked each of the seven sprints asked a question and it was based completely on uh, research and feedback and consultation. So a huge amount of work went in before we even got uh, to the fun bit of the sprints. What we would signal is that working online absolutely created so much, we think, more positives um, than negatives uh, for us. Um, and I think we, as a community, we're getting more and more comfortable with, it, uh, with working. So it really did reduce uh, some of the uh, natural barriers to, to being involved. And as I say, I think it, it was a tool of inclusion as long as it is facilitated well so that we can bring through everybody's voices. So again, the preparation, the infrastructure is critical uh, and then the actual platform can be very effective. For us, the challenge process um, was incredibly important. Uh, having that group whose sole job was to, to ensure the actions were rigorous. Um, and, and the sprints, we did get excited about these ideas and there was energy and just having a challenge process where there, there was a natural stepping back and going, will this work? Will this work in my community? Have you thought of? And I'll be interested in um, Kevin's views on the challenge process. Some of them were fairly, it was fairly brutal sometimes, but it really did help shape the final product. And of course, what we have learned, the main lesson was that it was a quite a structured process, but it did deliver robust collective actions. Everybody's voices were included um, and there is a sense of ownership going forward. So our main lesson would be co-design worked for this project, it really did. We, um, create, we had formal surveys, anonymous surveys after every uh, sprint, so we have very good data about people's um, experiences and overwhelmingly participants found the experience meaningful. They really enjoyed the collaboration. Um, they thought it was, they had an authentic opportunity to contribute to something they cared about and that the actions developed are likely to be impactful. So there's a real sense of, I guess, as I say, ownership of this work. And I think the main testament is so many of those that were involved in the sprints, like Kevin, are staying with the process and helping to make sure these actions do turn into reality and are as um, appropriate and relevant and as impactful as they can.
And um, we'll go to the next slide here. And what we loved about the process was that 150 people from every aspect of the country came together over a thousand hours. We did nearly all of it under lockdown um, and we created 15 actions that are like the most likely to make impact for those that volunteer on the boards of committees of community organizations. And that it is actually, a tr no one owns this, we all own this strategy, which for me is incredibly exciting. Um, the process we used, um, we, I have written up as a, um, I was going to say a publication, that makes it sound very grand, doesn't it? Um, it so it is a report, um, and I guess, Stephen and Kevin, we're officially launching the report right now. Ta-da! Um, so the report outlines in detail how we approach the project, um, our honest reflections. I've just given you a sort of a very quick summary uh, this afternoon, and what we learned and how we modified. So it's got incredible, incredible detail. We documented everything as we went through. Um, it also includes all the templates that we use to set up the projects and all the PowerPoints, everything that we used as part of the sprint process. So in theory, you could pick up um, anything that we used, modified it, and that should get you started on your co-design uh, journey. So it's there uh, for you to use. Um, we will send you um, a link in the material that goes up. It is on the Centre for Social Impacts uh, website now, if you'd have to look, if you want to look. Um, and um, we really do encourage you uh, to try co-design as an absolutely powerful tool of collaboration. And we also welcome your input, we welcome your feedback um, on uh, both using co-design in this, this uh, social impact space, but also contributing to the National Action Plan for Community Governance as we move into the implementation phase. Uh, so thank you, uh, Stephen. That's all from me. That's great. Thank you so much. Uh, there's a lot of rich detail there. And like we said at the start, we'll be sending out some um, an email with some links and other ways that you can easily access the content that we've been talking about. Um, I, Joe, there are a few questions which have come up in the Q&A. And I just encourage if people have been thinking of what they want to ask, now's the time to go over and, and type them in. I'm sure we'll get a few more. Um, but just to start with, um, can I just ask a question around the term sprint? Somebody in the Q&A was just asking what, what that actually referred to, or why did you choose the word sprint? Is there any background to that? Yeah, no, that's a great, um, a great uh, a question. Um, in the report, you'll see uh, a lot of the background research about uh, this methodology. So it evolved uh, probably through two different um, sort of bodies of thought. And one of them is um, the co-design, like the design world, basically. So they were using this to create products, usually, that fit, that, um, fit market needs. So it's, it, gener it was generated out of there. But it's also been um, incredibly uh, used in agile software de development. And that's probably where the term sprint came, because it is the idea that you're working, you're bringing people together with diverse uh, perspectives and concentrating. So all they are doing is focusing on this one challenge and they are driving to a conclusion. So it's the whole idea of a very focused sprint. So that's where that word um, comes from. Co-design obviously is the, the concept that the user or whoever is the, the going to be the recipient of the action is actually present in the room, is actually co-designing and that it's absolutely focused on uh, who you're actually working for. And I think that's, uh, between the two of them, that's the power. It's the concentrated diversity of and um, of working together, but also that absolute centering around um, who, are we, who are we designing this for? We're designing this for the, the half a million of us who sit on, uh, who are volunteer on community boards, so they absolutely have to be part of the, of the design and construction phase. I think it's got huge... Um, potential to be used in all sorts of spaces where things are, at the moment, things are often designed for. Think about our public spaces, they're often designed in buildings and councils, not designed with those that the public spaces are for. Think about how many policies are designed in offices in Wellington rather than, a lot, than a lot, um, including the perspectives and the insights of those who the policies are for. So it's got such power there. Thank you, Joe. I think just to follow up on that, um, there's, a, there's another comment here which is relevant to this term, and I'm, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this one as well, um, Matua Kevin. 
Um, the person's written, I wonder whether the notion of a sprint was agreeable as a process for the Maori community. In broad terms, it seems that Western approaches are more likely to jump to the working phase and do things fast. Whereas in other cultures, spending time on relationship building, allowing for processes to take time, even if that slowly is more of the way of doing things. Um, Joe, do you want to start with any comments? And then, yeah, Martha, mm -hmm. Kevin, if you have some thoughts. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great um, point and a great uh, perspective. Um, how we approached that was that you can only work fast if you've built uh, the trusted relationships. So probably half of the first day we spent, so that's a quarter of our sprint we, we spent in Whanaungatanga. So I think it's implicit in the, um, so we, the idea of sprinting is that you're going to get actions quickly at the other end. Um, because you're concentrated, it um, probably doesn't, yeah, it, that's, that's the concept. But I'd welcome Kevin's um, views. Kia ora. Oh, absolutely agree that um, um, there's no uh, way that we would uh, replace some of the, way, uh, the methods that we, we go through in terms of our decision-making and that whanaungatanga and time is very uh, important in that process. I think the um, co-design process for the sprint is, a, is another uh, type of um, forum for idea generation um, that we can use. So I don't think one replaces the other. I think this is just another uh, form um, that is part of the long-term solution that we're looking for for whatever we we're coming together for. I did think that the sprint process seemed to generate, um, even though it was done very quickly by that comparison in terms of uh, a five-day conference or, or something like that, that it did generate some outputs probably um, uh, more effectively than a conference could. So, if, you know, if I was to, if you had to ask me the question, if I was to have it next week live or, or in person, I would, I would live in, on, online, I would really think hard about doing something live online. Um, but you just can't get the numbers, uh, perhaps. But it is a, another form, and I think it's a, a valid form for Te Māori to be, to be um, using and adapting. Cool. I think that's a helpful way to frame it, actually, in terms of this is another tool. This is another way of doing things, isn't it? Um, yeah. And it's interesting that you picked up on that question, would you run it online or in person? Because that's actually one of the questions in the Q&A. Mm -hmm. So I am curious for you, Joe, you know, we live in unusual times. Um, if, you, if you ran it, if you did this again and you had the choice, would you run it online or would you go back to an in-person format? That's a, an amazing question, isn't it? Obviously, we had no choice. Um, there is um, what we found, so we had the experience of running the first one face-to-face um, -face, um, and we found it took longer. So it actually took uh, two full days and when we did it online, it took about a day and a half. So um, there's something about working online that is, um, do you know, it is far more efficient. So I, the answer would be, I don't know, and my advice would be it depends on what really uh, matters to you in terms of the process. Um, many of our, um, listen, if we had the ability that people could meet and have a cup of tea together and have all the ability to learn from each other in those informal settings, we would have grabbed it. We didn't. Um, the benefit was that we had so many more people involved who wouldn't have been able to be there um, because they wouldn't fly in for a day or... Um, we, regardless, we had the challenge uh, team online anyway, so that, that was um, always going to be a part of that process. I know I'm not really answering uh, the question. I think it depends on so many different factors in terms of what's most important to the process you're designing, who's going to be involved, who's going to be included and excluded, um, what are your um, aims. Do people know each other already? We did have some sprints where people kind of knew each other um, or there was two or three people that knew each other that could help build the trust for the organization. And in some ways we substituted some of that in um, the things we missed uh, by doing it online, by me ringing everybody, you know, hours and hours and hours of phone, phone conversations before we even got uh, to the space. So at least somebody had a connection with me, if that makes sense as a facilitator. So 
I haven't answered your question, have you? I think the answer is um, it depends. How's that for sitting on the uh, fence, uh, Stephen? No, that's, <laughs> I, I kind of thought that that would be a good conclusion to get to. I agree. It depends. And some of the conversation here in the chat is noting that it is useful for certain things. Mm. And maybe you wouldn't do it in another, you know, depending on the context. But it does lead us to another question, which is, you had the day one and two very close together, didn't you? Um, looking back or, or now, do you think that that contributed having it the next day? Or would you, is it with hindsight, would it be better to have a bit more time? Or what's your thinking about that? Um, I welcome um, Kevin's thoughts as somebody who was um, experienced it. But um, in some ways, I think the intensity of the two days um, created actually the momentum and the action. I'm not sure if we had more time to consider whether we actually would have come up with anything that was better. And um, the intent, I know um, the experience of many people um, after we'd finished day one was that they just thought about it all night, basically, <laughs> um, and, um, and came back the next day. And often we reframed the actions after people had had a chance to reflect or to talk with those around them or to clarify or often to reflect on the feedback they'd been given through the challenge group. So in some ways, um, the benefit is that you've got that intensity, the whole, the, the whole idea of a concentrated sprint. This is your soul your sole purpose for those two days is getting something excellent out the other end. Um, the alternative would be to, to spread it out and even spread it out, say the sessions could be spread, um, you know, over a couple of hours a day over um, a week. And they're all, again, viable um, options. Um, you lose the intensity, but you get the power for a reflection and more conversation. So again, I guess it's a trade-off Again, um, Stephen, I'm going to give you a it depends answer. <laughs> um, it's all about you, your resources, what you're trying to achieve, the participants' needs. Um, and that's the neat thing about this process is that it's pretty, it's really modulized, if that makes sense. And you could deliver it in a way that suits your, um, and we talk about that in the report quite a lot, uh, seeing each of the discrete sessions as a module. And they could absolutely be tailored to the environment that you're working in to meet your participants' needs. But um Kevin, what would be your reflections? I mean, you've done, what, three that were done very intensely. What would be your thoughts? I, I like the, um, the fact that it uh, was day one, then day two, straight after each other. And I think when we talk about um, intensity, um, we tend to think that it's laborious, um, pressure, um, and yes, there were some aspects of the, the sprint which were like that, but actually it was really energizing because there's a lot of creativity um, that's going on during the sprint. So to me, uh, if it was to be held over a longer period, I think, I think it would be more draining from my perspective in terms of mm -hmm. being connected to that kaupapa for a longer period is actually quite hard, I think. So having that intense and over two day period to me seemed to be um, seemed to work well for me. Um, but however, if we've tried another method, maybe I would be wrong, Kilda. Well, you, you mentioned there the intensity of the two days and, and being back to back. Um, Joe, was there anything that you were conscious of or thinking of how to look after the well-being of the people who are contributing? Because it is quite an intense, you know, intense two days. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, uh, and as um, Kevin said, obviously we the we did it. I did as I said. I rang and connected with everybody beforehand, and also understood uh, for each of the participants. I guess um, for one of a better phrase, where they were at, if that makes sense. We were under lockdown four, and um, some people were struggling more than others. Some people were uh, during the sprints were homeschooling their children. Um, some people had Wi-Fi issues. Some people were less confident in Zoom than others. Um, and it was really just a good point just to gently connect and go um, and understand it, where everybody was, um, where everybody was. And of course, that, that changes. And what we, uh, that, for me, that was really uh, valuable knowledge uh, to acknowledge everybody and as their, I guess, individuals. I guess then as a facilitator, for me, it was about creating an experience uh, for people that would be energizing, that would be meaningful, 
and all, all the ingredients that go into that on the day. And they are, they are high energy. They are, hopefully, Kevin will say they were fun. That was the feedback we got. But they were a sense of purposefulness as well. We actually were working on something many of us had been um, wanting to, to, to resolve. You were working with people who were passionate about the same area as you, even though they might not um, agree. So it was an energizing space. But we also um, were very, very, very flexible. So people were coming and going during that. That's the nature of the modules. So I would often say um, at, an at an end of a module, if somebody needed to just step out, fantastic. But I could easily uh, integrate them back if they missed a module. So if you think about that in terms of session, it was very easy to, to, to work with where people were at, how much they wanted to give, um, and how available they were. And um, listen, we had um, we had lots of lovely toddlers contributing fantastic ideas, uh, um, all sorts of um, partners. You know, it was a very um, inclusive environment. We were just working with what we've got because that's that's how I guess we all roll. So, what I did like is that it was easy to weave people in and out, um, and depending on where people were and how much energy and whether you know, some people had bad days. So it was like, well, join us at lunchtime if you want to, and I can catch, because you're online, I can easily catch you up, and I can easily integrate you seamlessly into the process. So we did think a lot about that. Um, had the post worked, we wanted to send care packages to everybody, but uh, it wasn't working. <laughs> like we were thinking about these things uh, continuously, and again, I think it's important for those leading our sprints forward is that initial connection point, um, talking to people through the process so that they uh, come you know, confident and in a, you know, um, I don't know if somebody said to me, come and join this Zoom hooey for two days, the first thing you'd go is you've got to be joking. Um, but when you start to talk it and break it through and, um, and share it, it becomes less of a dread and more of an, um, more of something you, you potentially could enjoy. But Kevin, I'd welcome your uh, views on that in terms of how we looked after each other online. So, Joe, I think um, we shouldn't underestimate also the the fact that many of us joined in these co-sprints from home. So our well-being was already being catered for because we were in a, a space where it was uh, about us. So, um, and I think that's quite a different dynamic than if you we were in the office or in a space which was foreign to us. And so, you know, that uh, difference again between the sprint and being able to join in from where you are and where you are comfortable to a live event where you actually have to go in to a whole lot of different social processes uh, like at a conference or stuff like that. So for me, part of it was the well-being was we were in our own places. So, so um, I think that's a very important factor that came out of it for me. Um, and it wasn't all... Um it wasn't all that uh, serious. If, um, Matu or Kevin, uh, I'm going to apologise in advance, but if you see behind him, he's got some incredible artwork that his partner has made in our masks. And during a couple of sprints, um, we had some fashion parades with those masks, uh, didn't we, Kevin? Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, a bit of fun uh, and so forth. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to move on to the next question, which is a really good one. Um, but just before we do that, a comment that maybe one of the uh, consequences as well was gathering people together and getting them out of their silos. Because too often, I think, you know, I, I have my own um, role and I talk with other people who are similar to me. And so this sort of format where you go in and you're meeting people who you maybe have never met before, but who are on the journey with you, I think that's something that shouldn't be downplayed as well, because certainly it's, it's a way to then build a relationship. And then next time you see that person who you didn't know before, all of a sudden there's that connection point, something in common, and it, it just is a way for um, that diversity of thought to mm -hmm. be bouncing off of each other, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's worth highlighting that. I want to ask a question, and I guess particularly for you, Matua Kevin, but of course for you, Joe, as well. There's two questions which have come in on similar themes. Um, with co-design, how might we, we reflect tikanga and demonstrate our responsibilities to tiriki in the way we do the mahi? And then the second one is similar. It says, from a Maori worldview or ways of working, what would you do differently or improve in this framework? Mm. Got any thoughts on that? 
Oh, those are those are really good questions. Um, the in terms of Tetariti, um, clearly there needs to be some real thought right at the um, beginning in, in terms of the co-design of what, whatever's happening about that. Um, and the question is probably a, a little too open for me to, to really answer um, or to give an answer that I think is, 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 is relevant. Um, just in terms of what we're trying to achieve with the Tiriti, or is it about acknowledgement or, or so forth? So I would welcome probably a bit, a bit more of an elaboration on that question. But the the um, uh, yeah, and I think that's probably a, a sit on the fence at the moment because I don't clearly understand the the the, the scope of that that question. Um, what would I improve for um, if we were to do it again in terms of my own reflection from a Tao Māori uh, perspective? I think the um, I think I'm actually going to tie it in with in terms of um, uh, accessibility for people to, to join in and clearly uh, accessibility is around internet and so forth. So it is dependent on that. Mm -hmm. So the, the more people that can be um, hooked into this type of, of, of uh, hui would be beneficial. And so there's no barriers in terms of being able to do that. Um, uh, how to answer that, I'm not sure. But of course, that's dependent on where people are. I would uh, also... Um, I think probably from a Tiao Māori perspective, I think the other thing is to, to be very clear about the expectations of what this type of co-design um, process, um, where its limitations are, uh, and then work through how tikanga uh, and kawa are best um, integrated within this type of, of format. Really um, good questions, and I'm sorry I don't have a more conclusive type of uh, answer for you, um, but that's, that's just my reflections uh, at this point. Um, in the report, we share the um, feedback that came through, and it was all, I guess, anonymous, so people were as frank as they wanted to be after the Māori uh, sprint, and um, so that you can read uh, their feedback as well. I think most people... Um, Enjoy, absolutely enjoyed the ability to connect uh, across the country to work on uh, mahi that they were passionate about. Um, there were um, there were rich debates, um, uh, and they appreciated that. And uh, connections were built. So I, walk, I encourage people to read the um, report. We have put a, quite a lot of detail in those on those questions. Mm. Thank you both. Um, one of the questions or the themes that's coming up is just around accessibility. Um, it's, it's kind of a practical question, but how did you choose participants or what was the process to find people who were willing to be involved? And um, kind of, I want to add in a little bit here because somebody's pointed out that some people wouldn't have good access to internet or Zoom technology, you know, maybe in rural areas or something like mm. that. And, and did you think about that as well? Yeah, so the um, the first principle of the whole strategy work is that any anyone who wanted to contribute could do. So when we launched the strategy program or the strategy uh, project in December last year, we put out a really wide call uh, for volunteers to be involved in the process. And we put it out through all the networks we could find, all the different organizations. And that's where we got our volunteers from. They absolutely did uh, volunteer. And then when um, somebody uh, emailed us at that um, info at csi.nz.org, um, we asked them what areas they were interested in and how did they want to contribute? Did they want to contribute as part of a team? You know, there's many ways of being part of the process. So then everybody, uh, then basically, uh, that's where I say the power of Excel uh, come, came in, is that we did, we literally put the teams together from all everyone who wanted to volunteer. And we got, um, because I guess we, 
Um, and it goes back to my point about preparation is key because we'd thought about who we wanted to engage um, when we when we saw that we were getting uh, you know fairly good representation from Pacific communities, but not so much from Māori. Our steering group members uh, who were there from day one, from Tapuni Kokiri and Tutumu, and some um, and uh, Susan Huia. We've got some great uh, uh, leaders who have got very strong connections in Te Ao Māori. Again, we just did a push to go come and be part of this, and that's how we generated all the all the volunteers. They did. They literally volunteered. And we got an amazing group when, you, when we went through and analysed that absolutely from top of the country to the bottom of the country, rural, urban, um, and across the amazing sectors, you know, um, the education, uh, churches, environmental, social service, delivery, sport, across all the um, dimensions. Uh, just because I think because we had put that energy in to reach out across the sector and say, if you're passionate about this, come and help us. We'll come and work uh, together with other people who are passionate and let's create uh, some action uh, so that all community organisations are well governed. That's great, thank you. Um, there's some comments and some questions around whether this process could be used in other contexts. So in particular, someone's written here, do you advocate this approach for government policy design? And yes. the other similar, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yes. easy answer. The similar um, theme here is, uh, the person says co-design, I think it would be useful to use this for other areas, e.g. health or art. Yes. Um, yes. Easy anyway, answer, yes. Um, <laughs> the power of this is that it's about, it's not doing two. It's not um, a group of well-meaning people sitting in an office designing something for someone they may not really understand their reality, which unfortunately is how so many of our services and um, policies are designed. Um, by doing this, and if you follow, I guess, the principles we took, you would at least have half of the team that are making the decisions or doing the design, um, those who are going to be recipients of that service. And so you're going to just, you're just going to get a more impactive result. But it does mean that you need to collaborate, and it's genuine collaboration. It does mean, let's be honest, it's power sharing here. We didn't, we had no idea of the actions that were going to come out. It was absolutely, totally co-designed. You don't have control. You, there's no power wedded. And if you're um, able to go into a process with that degree of integrity, just amazing, amazing results will come out the other end. And just one of, one of the comments here is, could this process be condensed into smaller, shorter hui, or would it lose its effectiveness? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, good question. So the, a lot of the reading I did uh, beforehand, and again, I've put it, we've put some really good references in the uh, Sprinting for Good report. If you're interested in reading, you know, there is quite a lot of written uh, uh, material about this uh, process. Most of them um, advocate five days for a sprint process. Now, we knew for volunteers that that was just not going to be um, it's just not feasible. It's, it's disrespectful of people's time and we just won't get very, there'll be very few people who can give up a whole week uh, to create action. So we designed the process around uh, two days. We've seen it used um, in one, for a one day sprint. It's pretty intense, but you can move through um, a one day process. Um, and as I mentioned before, if you think about the different sessions um, as modules, you could uh, deliver them over a course of a period of week, you know, in bite-sized chunks. Um, it, so it is uh, flexible in that sense, yeah. Yeah, that's great, thank you. Someone else has a kind of a, a theme. We've talked a little bit about this, but making people feel comfortable in contributing. Um, so I'll just read what they say. Could you please talk a little bit about how participants in your sprints took to the process and what strategies you employed to help them feel comfortable and safe to share their ideas? Oh yeah, great question. Oh, that um, comes down to, I think, uh, the, the tools of facilitation. And um, a lot of the work we did was in small groups and people were self-selecting by the ideas that they were interested in. So you're naturally part of a group that you're engaged in. It's often small group. We did, um, at the beginning of the session, we did quite a lot of work on um, our code of conduct and in the Māori Sprint, our values, so that we're all on the same page. Again, all that preparation. So people were coming in feeling confident and encouraged and had a really good idea about what was going to happen um, and how they could contribute. Um, and then just, I think, um, really uh, clear facilitation. If someone isn't, um, isn't as vocal, just um, giving sort of opportunities to make sure 
and um, we in the end we didn't really have any um, issues with um, with with quiet people <laughs> um, or people not um, feeling. And I think what was incredibly important was after the first sprint, we surveyed and asked just that: um, did you know? Did you feel this was an inclusive space where you could say, and how could we improve that? And consistent feedback through all the sprints we got were this was a meaningful process, I did contribute, I'm excited, it was inclusive. And so I guess it's, it's structured process, all that preparation that goes in before, good facilitation. But um, Kevin, I welcome um, your thoughts. I guess you were, you were as, as I say, you've got three sprints under your belt. Um, what, would, what would you say in terms of ensuring that people have their voice? I think, Joe, that uh, what you've mentioned in terms of structured you know, content and, and facilitation is really important. Um, the uh, the opportunity for whakawhanaungatanga and people getting to know each other is, is important. Um, the fact that we were, um, you know, put into smaller groups and, and then allowed to, to talk further um, created more opportunity to... Uh, provide our voices um, in those, those areas. I think the other thing too is that um, when you create personas, you create an opportunity to be able to speak to that persona. So it's a lot easier to speak to a persona um, and then to incorporate your ideas as you go through and create those personas. And I just want to reflect back on the pre uh, you know, one of the previous questions around tikanga and, and titiriti. That was a method and a mechanism by which one could use the personas to ensure that what needed to be, what they needed to have covered uh, came through in the persona. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. That's good. Well, maybe I think we'll finish up with this next question because it's a reframing of the other one earlier. Um, and so the person has tried again here. Thinking of co-design framework, what do TDT principles of participation, protection, and partnership look like in practice? Um, does that help a bit better, <laughs> Mato Kevin? Uh, no, um, <laughs> but uh, the what does it look like in practice? Well, this is this is part of the, in my view, and and Joe might like to come in on this. Is just really the preparation, really beforehand in terms of the co-design process about what has been trying to achieve, what are we trying to achieve, uh, what are the things that need to be considered um, during that. So, for example, from the Aotearoa Māori, or from the Māori sprint, then it was the values. Um, that were incorporated uh, in terms of participation. Um, and so there was a tikanga about um, working together and so um, highlighting those values from a Māori perspective of kotahitanga, manakitanga, maramatanga, afinatanga and mōhiotanga. Um, if it's a more wider um, group, then, then, then clearly they're, they're, um, some effort needs to be made around addressing those issues um, as part of the design. Um, so I think that's, that's where the uh, importance is placed on it. Um, what they should look like, um, uh, I'm, not too, I'm not too sure. I just know that they need to be there, probably in the same way that the person who's asked the question is, is highlighting they need to be there. Joe, did you have any final thoughts there on that question? Mm -hmm. um, uh, Matua Kevin um, has thought about these things long and hard. Um, for us, it meant um, as it, it wasn't just, um, if you think about all the stages we went through in the co the co-design is actually for us was the only a small part of a longer process. So um, for us, that meant around our stewardship and our steering group body, we had to start <laughs> in a partnership model and, uh, drive it through um, and it was it was very cognizant uh, to us that, so that when we were making a call to those being involved that it was an inclusive call uh, that respected our treaty partners and um, again it was a call out through our uh, te Māori networks through our steering group members so I guess it's not just thinking about the sprint but the whole um, process um, and the preparation uh, the delivery and now that even the, um, we're in the implementation phase uh, to do that as well across the whole uh, dimensions of the project. Mm.
Well, that's really good. Well, it's been really helpful to hear those perspectives and those answers to the questions. So thank you, everybody who typed in, in questions. One of the people put a comment about, uh, is there that many people on governance boards in New Zealand? Um, with a really question mark. Um, and I think this is part of the point is that, yes, there really are a lot of people out there in the community. Um, the, the, the figures show estimates of about 115,000 different community organizations. So just do the maths, work out how many governors are involved in those, and some have more than, you know, four or five four or people. Five. So, you end so, up to half a million very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but that's why this work, this work is foundational work. This is important work because it has potential flow on impacts for so many people. Um, and that's also why I really appreciate the, the fact that you've thought about this, Joe, and you've um, come up with this report to then help other people um, because this is work that can be shared. Um, one of the other people had asked, will some of this be available? And yes, it will be in the emails. And if anything that's been mentioned today strikes a chord, or if you'd like to know more, um, then there will be an email that comes out, reply to it, ask questions. I think the whole point of this, it demonstrates a desire to engage with people. So I'm sure you'd echo that, Joe, right? You know, welcoming feedback, wel welcoming, and also, it would be interesting if some of you take these ideas and try them out in another context. I'm sure it would be really interesting to hear back how it went and what, what you learned. And together, we can kind of come together and, and continue to do this better. Um, so, um, Joe, I want to say, say thank you so much for the report. Thank you for sharing, for your um, time and energy to put it all together. Um, Mato Kevin, thank you for your insights. We really appreciated the context and the heart that you brought here to be able to explain things to us from your perspective. Um, it's just been really awesome. I know that there were many, many people who signed up to be here, and I got many emails from people saying I have a last minute urgent thing, and I know that many of you will be watching this afterwards. Um, so want to say um, thank you all for participating. I think our challenge for those of us who, who put this on today is what does this mean for your context? How can you take some of the things that we've talked about today and actually apply it in your organizations? Um, and we're really keen to see what that looks like. Um, it is, this is being recorded, so we'll send a link around to the video to it. Um, like I said before, I'm doing a podcast called Seeds which has now 214 episodes of inspiring people tracking their journeys. So I'll put this up as the audio for that as well. Um, and we'll put a link to that. Um, but the final thing is just to say thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we hope it was helpful. And thank you to Joe and Kevin for your time and sharing with us. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that session on co-design. There were certainly plenty of topics we covered and lots of great questions. If you enjoyed this, then why not check out some of the other episodes in the back catalog? And there's heaps more content at theseeds.nz. Until next time. Mm -hmm.